Hi, I'm Michelle, and I'm... Wait, am I the straight-laced psychotherapist? I thought I was going to be the unconventional hypnotherapist, and you were going to be the super serious trauma specialist. No, you were going to be the relationship expert. Like, love expert. And you're going to be the specialist who guides people with down-to-earth techniques for transmuting trauma? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Okay, good. I'll be the love expert. I mean, I am the love expert. I think we have this all sorted out. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, a therapist at Anchor Light, and this is Holding Ground. Today and every Monday, we've got a little bit of everything for you. Shall we? Yeah, let's do this. Good morning and welcome to Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richer and I'm the owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Michelle Mooney. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Laura. Michelle is also a therapist at Anchor Light, and we are here live on 1150 AM Talk Radio every Monday morning where we bring you a little bit of everything in the world of therapy and positive mental health. Um, you can also find us everywhere that podcasters stream, uh, like Spotify and iTunes and all of the other podcast platforms. Great. So Laura, today we are answering the questions that we get asked by our clients and potential clients every day. So at Anchor Light Therapy, we offer complimentary consultations to all potential clients uh, who want to discover how therapy might help them achieve their goals. So over the years, we've kind of collected a list of commonly asked questions by people who are curious about therapy, who either don't really understand it, um, or like how it can help them, or do understand it, but feel nervous or even scared to get started started. So today we're going to continue answering those questions. Yes. So last week we started on our list of questions and we had so many that we decided to do a second episode because we were just scratching the surface. So (laughs) I'm really excited to get into all of the other uh, remaining questions we have that are commonly asked. And just a reminder, if you have questions that are specific to you and your goals, just go over to our website, anchorlighttherapy.com, and you can click the get started link and request your own complimentary consultation with either me or Michelle. All right, Michelle. So just to kind of recap, let's just start with the basics. How do people know if if it's a good time to go to therapy or they need therapy or if it might be able to help them? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, the quick answer is always a good time to go to therapy. Um, but, you know, I think if people really start to notice inside of themselves, like, yeah, maybe it's time that I need to talk to somebody who isn't a family member or a friend about something I'm going through. You know, I just, I need a little bit more, you know, listen to that instinct, first of all, right? Because it's probably trying to tell you something. Um, but, you know, there's a whole spectrum of reasons why people might want to go from therapy to, you know, being in a crisis state, right? where they just, you know, can't manage whatsoever anymore, you know, things around them are, you know, falling apart, um, you know, relationships or jobs or anything like that. Um, It's just kind of crumbling around them, you know, really um, intense symptoms of things like depression, or even sometimes like psychosis or anxiety, things like that. Those are usually like the typical reasons why, you know, people are, okay, yeah, it's time to go talk to somebody. But, you know, even when things are going well, quote unquote, right, it's always a good idea to talk to somebody, you know, gain more insight about yourself, um, work through challenges from a way that maybe you haven't thought of before, and just gain overall, like, good coping skills, good relaxation exercises, that sort of thing. Yes, I think whenever you want to gain deeper insight into your life, therapy is a good way to do that. 
And the difference between therapy and I have had many people ask me this, well, if I have a lot of friends I talk Mm -hmm. to, why not just talk to them? Why go pay somebody to talk to? And the difference is we are trained in all sorts of different therapeutic interventions to help you and have insights that possibly your friends who aren't trained therapists might not have. But aside from that, um, therapy offers you the opportunity to explore different issues in your life in a really unbiased uh, place where you can have a neutral third party help guide you to finding insights and maybe solutions that you're looking for in a way that the people that are close to you cannot. So even for me as a therapist, I can't be a therapist to my sister or my best friend necessarily. I can talk to them about their issues, but I am personally invested in their well-being. And so I might have a biased opinion about what I think my sister should do with her life because her, <laughs> her suffering could cause me to suffer. And so I might want to try right. to manage that in a different way. Right, right. Great so point. That is, so that is a different, you just get a different perspective and that can be very helpful in creating change in your life. So so what happens in therapy when you're working with a client, Michelle, what kind of, what kind of therapy do you do? What kind of therapy do I do? Yeah. Um, so my approach um, is an integrative approach. So um, that means I take a little bit from all of the therapy modalities. So I'm sure we hear a lot about CBT therapy, couples therapy, you know, EMDR, um, you know, uh, feminist theory, all uh, narrative therapy, all of these different kinds of therapies that are out there. And, you know, a lot of therapists will only practice like one type of therapy. Okay, I do CBT, we're going to run with that, right? But I like to p- um, pick and choose, you know, depending on the client, depending on what they're going through, um, what skill and what tool might be the most effective for them. Yes. Yeah. So we at Anchor Light are all integrative therapists and I like to have an offering of all kinds of different therapies because I don't believe that therapy is a one size fits all uh, proposition that we all have different needs. And so the more tools that we have to support our clients, um, the more effective we can be. And, and sometimes what we offer is a good fit. Of course, we can't know every kind of therapy. So um, if right. we don't offer a modality that's helpful to you, then we can refer you to somebody who offers something that would be a better fit. But we focus at Anchor Light on EMDR therapy, which is stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And that is an awesome therapy that I just took a class in over the weekend um, that helps people process trauma as well as work through other issues in their life, phobias, addictions, uh, attachment disorders, all kinds of things. Hypnotherapy can be the same thing, um, help you with all of those issues. And I offer hypnotherapy as well. And then just good old talk therapy is we have all of it. And then, Laura, you're asking um, what happens in therapy overall. So that's a huge question, right? But um, in general, like the phases, I guess I can answer it that way. Um, You know, the first thing you want to do is um, have a consultation, have many consultations with different therapists until you do find somebody that you think you work well with or could work well with. Um, And then, you know, in the first couple sessions, you're really just getting to you and your therapist are getting to know one another building rapport, right, building that relationship, building that trust, um, sharing, you know, as much history as you are comfortable sharing at that moment, right, and then we kind of create, okay, these are your goals, these are how we're going to try to work on achieving them, right, how do you know 
when this will be better? You know, that's a question I like to ask folks, you know, instead of, um, you know, what's your goal? Okay, I want to feel less anxious. Okay, great. But how would you know if you feel less anxious? Well, I'd be able to sleep through the night and, you know, I'd have more confidence going into big work meetings, that sort of thing. So that's the actual goal, right? Because now we know those are the specific things we want to work on. And then over time, you know, depending on what the client need is and the, you know, most effective modality, we'll, we'll do that. And, you know, some, some issues, quote unquote, you know, some folks might need to be in therapy for a while. Some folks might only need to be in therapy a few months, depending on what's going on. Um, but um, yeah, so that's kind of overall how that would work. Yes. Yeah. And people ask that question often, how long am I going to have to do this for? And we don't know um, until we start yeah. working with you. Um, and even then it, everybody is different in terms of how fast they can get results. But often people come to work on a specific issue. I work with a lot of clients who are going through divorces or breakups. And so they need support during that time. And then once they go through that experience um, and come out the other side of it, often that's they've gotten what they needed out of therapy at this point in time that they've come in for a specific reason. Other people choose to engage in therapy as just part of their self-care routine. And so right. I have clients that I've been seeing for years and maybe we only see each other once a month or once every quarter, but they just like to do a check-in and check up on their mental health and make sure everything's going well. Yeah, yeah, I see that a lot. And even from my personal, you know, therapy experience, you know, even if I don't have a problem going on, it's great to have that person to check in with every week, right? So, um, yeah. And you mentioned something that I think is really important when you're looking for a therapist to do uh, consultations. And most therapists offer a complimentary consultation where you can chat with them for, you know, 20 minutes or half an hour as we offer and see if they're a good fit. So what do you think people should be looking for to know whether a therapist is a good fit for them or not? Good question. Um, so when you're looking for therapists, there's a lot of different ways to look for therapists. I think a lot of people will go to Google, which is a great place to start looking. Um, but also there's many other um, websites where you can search therapists overall in your area. And you can, um, you know, if you know a specific um, therapy modality that you're looking for, like a mindfulness-based therapist or hypnotherapist, um, you know, search for therapists who um, offer that. Um, you know, oftentimes a huge consideration is, you know, well, what, what the cost is, you know, what the reimbursement is from insurance, that sort of thing. But, you know, really, um, you know, if you're doing those consultations, right, some people prefer a specific gender, some people don't, right? And just, you know, making sure you get to share with the therapist what you are um, wanting to achieve and see if they um, offer support in those areas, right? Ask questions to your therapist at, or the person you're doing a consultation with. Ask them, you know, how these same kind of questions that we're answering now right that you might have you know don't don't hesitate to ask the therapist you know you're interviewing them right they're, it's not like they're interviewing you um and oftentimes you know people just say and i can speak from personal experience too is you can just get a certain energy from somebody right okay i know this is somebody that i would probably want to work with or versus yeah i didn't get the best feeling from them right and then that's when you you know look someone else up and keep going through the process until you find somebody that feels like it's a good fit Yep. And it, whatever your preference is for whatever reason is okay. So if you would prefer a therapist of a certain gender or sexual orientation or age, then go with whoever you feel comfortable with. Because that is what's important is that you're going to be working with somebody who you feel comfortable opening up to. 
And sometimes I had a client who came in for one or two sessions and he was a male in his sixties and he just did not feel comfortable working with a woman that was younger than him. That just wasn't, didn't feel like a comfortable setting to him. I was the same age as one of his daughter's friends and that just wasn't relatable to him. And that's perfectly fine. I understand that. And so I helped him find a therapist that was a male who was, or it looked like he was around his age because that's who he was going to feel comfortable talking to. Right, right, exactly. That that often does uh, matter a lot, right? Age, um, like you're saying, gender, race, all those things, they, they can matter, right? Um, you know, I, I don't know, I think I've had like one male therapist in my life. And I, for me, I just, I didn't find that kind of connection there that I really needed. He was a great therapist, but it wasn't quite exactly what I wanted, if that makes sense. And you know, that yeah. happens for a lot of people. Yeah. And, um, and, and on the other side of that too, you might find connection with people that surprise you. I had an mm -hmm. older male therapist who was probably around my dad's age. And initially I just went to him because he took my insurance and I kind of had low expectations. And he was actually someone that I connected with really well and was really helpful to me. So you never know, but at the same time, if you've had any sort of like trauma um, and you just, there's a certain gender that doesn't feel comfortable to you, or just somebody just doesn't feel relatable to you, then move on, find somebody who's going to be a good fit for you. Right. Exactly. Um, Okay, how about this, Laura? Um, are you or we as a practice, are we seeing more clients because of COVID? Oh my gosh. I would say, especially in couples therapy, a yes. big yes. <laughs> yes, we are. People are stuck at home. They're dealing with all kinds of stress. Uh, they're taking, they're dealing with their kids doing school online. They're working from home. They're in their one bedroom apartments with their partner and they've been cooped up together since March. I mean, right. that creates a lot of opportunity to uh, have reasons to need to go to therapy. Besides what's going on with the pandemic and fears about people's finances, health, the economy, our, the election we just had. I mean, so many things have, it's just 2020 has been such an intense year. So yes, yeah. we are definitely right. seeing more people. Yeah, and I, mean, I think we've talked about this on other shows, but, um, you know, it, it is important to point out again that, you know, one of the huge side effects of COVID, you know, beyond physical is all the mental effects that it's having on us um, individually and, you know, as a, a global population at this point. So, you know, it is really good that people are reaching out more and they feel comfortable reaching out more. And like you yeah. said, Laura, especially with couples, um, a lot are saying, yeah, and now because we're around each other all the time, you know, things are getting worse. And then, you know, you kind of normalize that for them. Like, yeah, we're seeing a lot of couples going through the same thing and, you know, they, they feel a little bit better about it um, <laughs> that, yeah. you know, they're, they're not alone in this. And we can work with them. You know, a lot of my couples have reported that, there could have been issues in the relationship all along or things that weren't really going the way that weren't ideal. Um, but they were able to kind of work around them because they were working outside of the home. They had their own routines. They had their outside things they could do with friends and family. And now that all of that's been taken away, everything has been really amplified. So mm -hmm. that is showing up a lot. And I actually have worked with a lot of clients as well who are going through breakups during this time because yeah. the intensity just cause the relationship to, to end because maybe those things were there all along and they were, were unavoidable. And you really do need support to help work through some of those things. And you can, therapy can offer you all kinds of ways to develop healthier coping skills and give you tools to resolve the things that you're facing. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, 
Okay, so, so in this age, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Larry. Oh, I wanted to also touch on telehealth because we're yes. all working online and working from home and doing everything that we didn't used to do online, including happy hour. So what do you think about telehealth? Do you think uh, people are able to do effective therapy via telehealth? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, we are, we're currently offering at our practice right now telehealth and in person, and most people still are wanting to come in in person, um, which wasn't necessarily the case, um, I don't think, during the beginning, especially when we weren't allowed to leave our homes at all. Um, but folks are ready to come back in person and, of course, you know, take the proper precautions um, of masks and sanitizing and social distancing and all of that. Um, but there are a good um, uh, proportional clients that do want to just have online therapy right now because that feels the best or you know even after let's you know quote unquote this is you know better whatever that looks like right a lot of folks might want to continue with telehealth just because of its convenience right I don't have to leave the house I can stay in my pajamas and you know it's one less trip out of the house um, you know that might not fit into your schedule. Um, so, I mean, telehealth is just probably, you know, kind of like your work uh, meetings online. I mean, that everything looks exactly the same, but you're talking to a therapist instead of your boss. And, um, you know, there can be kind of um, <clears throat> logistical things with that. Like if you need to talk about your husband and your husband's in the next room, right? Sometimes you have to be a little bit more uh, creative about where you have these sessions, um, but it can work. Um, and, you know, obviously it's not as you're not sharing the same room, but it's very effective as well. Um, there's some therapies that are harder to do over telehealth. They're still, um, they're still um, available. Um, for instance, EMDR is one that is really good if you are in person, but there are some um, <clears throat> versions of it we can do online. So um, I think, you know, we've talked many times before, but, you know, there's the eye movement piece that we could do for EMDR, but there's a lot of other bilateral stimulation um, techniques that we use for EMDR that are really effective in person beyond the eye movements. Um, so you can't do that um, over online, but there are things we can do audio EMDR, so we'll play sound back and forth and you'll listen to that versus holding something in your hands, that sort of thing. Um, or you can even um, do a, like a light bar EMDR for online. So um, there's just this light that goes back and forth on the screen and you watch that, um, but you would have to keep your eyes open. So um, anyway, that's that's a you know huge answer to that question. But yeah, it is, it's possible and a lot of people are wanting it. Yes, and um, that's the same with hypnotherapy as well, is that I am working with clients online doing hypnotherapy if they have the right environment for it. So if your kids are running around and your dog is barking and all this stuff is happening, hypnotherapy is not going to be very effective online. But I have a client I'm working with right now that she goes down into her basement. It's completely quiet down there. She just lays down, puts her laptop next to her head and listens to me talk while she has her eyes mm. closed. And it works just as well as if we were in person. So depending on your environment, telehealth can just be just as effective. I would say the only real downside to telehealth has to do with how many distractions you have yeah. in your house. Right. Or if your audio is not working, you know, there's always those like first five minutes of making sure everyone's all set. Right. <laughs> and then you can start your session. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The audio, sometimes it did the, a few freezes and those little hiccups can kind of make things a little more challenging, yeah. but it's still, I have found telehealth to be very effective yep. and I had some concerns prior to the pandemic. I really didn't like seeing couples online. I just felt like 
it was, it was challenging to have three people. And then if they had a lot of conflict, not to be in person and to have that conflict in their own personal space could be detrimental, Mm -hmm. but in Mm -hmm. reality, it's actually worked out just fine. So we have to adjust with the circumstances that we're in and that's what we're doing. Yeah. And that's really what it is, is people are, we're just used to this now. So, you know, might as well do therapy online too, if, cause a lot of places that's, that's all you can get right now is online therapy. Right. So um, yeah, it's just the way things are going. Exactly. But as you said before, we do offer both because some people are not comfortable with that. And we're taking all of the COVID precautions to be able to see you in person as well. Right. Exactly. So before we go to break, I want to answer one more question. And this is a question that I love to uh, address because sometimes people go to therapy and then they want everyone they know to go to therapy and they can see (laughs) all of the problems that the people in their lives have. Um, And so what do you think, Michelle, if I am really worried about someone and I want them to go to therapy, how do I convince them? Yeah, you know what, the convincing piece, right, is, you know, that that's the difficult thing, because we can't really, like, push people to do things maybe that they're not ready to do, you know, if you're just going to therapy, or you're, you know, you're going to do, you know, a job or something that somebody else wants you to do versus what you're ready for, right, it's probably not going to be as effective. But what you can do is you can share your experience about therapy, you know, wow, this is really working for me, you know, these are the reasons why you can model that behavior, right, so who's healthy and goes and takes care of their mental health as well, in addition to their physical health, right? And so kind of setting this, um, again, this model, right, inspiring people and, you know, offering as a suggestion, right, isn't isn't a bad um, thing. But if we're trying to, like, convince somebody, right, and if you are really, really concerned about somebody and their safety, um, you know, they're obviously use the resources available um, for that, like, if you do have to, you know, call the police for some sort of reason or, you know, start to discussing um, more intensive um, interventions or that sort of thing. So if you're very worried, right, use the resources you need. But if it's somebody, you know, that you think, okay, they really should do this, right? I mean, you can suggest it, moreover, just model that it's a really good thing to do. Yeah, and if you are giving somebody kind of an ultimatum that they have to go to therapy, Uh, I mean, honestly, that's, and I've worked with clients over the years who, who come in because a spouse has asked them or a parent is asking them to come in and um, they're really not invested in it. They don't really want to, um, maybe their own therapeutic goals or not their spouse's therapeutic goals for them. Mm-hmm. So that isn't really a good time for somebody to go to therapy. When somebody comes in that has been sent by somebody else, I always say, you know, why are you here? Well, or what do you want to work on? Well, my, my wife wants me to work on X, Y, and Z. And then I Mm -hmm. ask them, okay, but what, what would you like to get out of this process? Mm Because they're not going to get anything out of it if they're just going with it to, to please somebody else. Right. Exactly. And sometimes they're like, nothing, I don't want to be here. And then it's probably not a good time to go. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And you see that a lot with uh, children, which we don't work with children, right? But, you know, yeah. they don't, their mom and dad tell them to go, they got to go, right? They but to. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or also another population we don't work with um, in private practice, but people that are court ordered to go to therapy, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. they, they do have to be there. And so then you do want to say, okay, well, we know you're here because you have to be, but what? since we have to have this time together, you know, what, what do you want to talk about? But Mm -hmm. it's hard to force somebody else's agenda onto a client if they're not, if they're not ready. Right. Right. Exactly. 
All right, well, let's take a little break. And when we come back, we are going to be continuing to answer your questions, everything that you want to know about therapy. Um, and Michelle, tell people where they can find us. Yeah, you can find us all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Cool, we'll be right back. Alternative Talk 1150 is your sports organization's safe bet when it comes to airing your team's games. Our players are all seasoned professionals when it comes to sports programming. Imagine your games being heard on local radio. Your team deserves the MVP treatment. Call 425-653-1150 today to learn how affordable and fun it is to broadcast your games on the radio. Call 425-653-1150 and make your next season something special. That's 425-653-1150. Thanks for tuning into our brand new show, Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, the co-host of Holding Ground, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Our passion, our one big thing in life, above and beyond love, relationships, trauma, addiction, and healing, our specialty is helping others. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Holding Ground. I am Michelle Mooney here with the founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective, Laura Richer. Today we are continuing to answer the commonly questions uh, asked about therapy. And if you have any specific questions about your situation that you would like to have answered, head over to our website at anchorlighttherapy.com where you can request a complimentary consultation. We also have a lot of other great resources on there for you. Um, so Laura, back to our questions. What's next? So we're going to talk a little bit about how much people share when they come to therapy with their, their friends and family. So often, unfortunately, people feel like having any issues with your uh, mental health is a weakness or some sort of flaw in their character, when in fact, everyone's going to struggle with their mental health from time to time in their lives, just like we all struggle with our physical health from time to time. I mean, we usually... Mm -hmm get a cold every year. So sometimes we might get a little anxious or sometimes we might get a little depressed or we could have more significant issues, but that there is absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. But some people feel that way. They don't, they don't necessarily want to share that they're coming to therapy. So, I mean, Michelle, what do you tell people about that? How much should they share about the therapy that they're doing? I mean, you know, we, we tend to have a good sense of our families, I think. Like for me, right, I know what, who to share, <laughs> what to share with who in a lot of ways, right? But, you know, a lot of times I see, like, um, it can come down a lot to uh, generations. So, um, you know, uh, I think the younger generations, you know, I don't know, what am I, a millennial? So generation, is it, I don't know, I don't know, Z or something that <laughs> help. Whatever the next one no is. <laughs> yeah. The other ones. Um, you know, there's a there, there's a lot more conversation and promotion and understanding around mental health and taking care of your mental health. There's a lot less shame, right? Versus, you know, like my grandparents, for um, example, like, you know, oh, you're going to therapy. Are you, you know, are you okay? Or, you know, you know, we should just like not talk about that, right? So there's definitely all these different um, ideas. I think out there about mental health, right? Because there is that stigma and there is that shame and all of that is, you know, um, fed by shame, right? That if you're going to therapy for some sort of reason, there's some, you know, there's something wrong with you or you're bad or, you know, quote unquote crazy, that sort of thing. So the stigma is starting to uh, clear up. Um, but um, so, you know, share with folks, right? Again, set that model, right? So maybe there's people in your 
family that don't agree with therapy, you can be the one who shows them like, yeah, it's great. It's fine. You know, it's helpful. And it doesn't mean there's necessarily anything uh, that's wrong with you. So not sure if that answers your question, Laura. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I think it's interesting. I think even my generation, which would be Gen X is still a little more like, oh, what's going on? Why are you going to therapy? Kind of a mm-hmm. attitude. It really mm-hmm. depends on the person. But I think as um, we go get younger, there's more awareness around mental health. And that's really positive. And one of the positive things that probably social media has done for us is to really give us more platforms to talk about these issues. Right. Um, that being said, I mean, I have, you know, clients who are boomer generation that have been in therapy for years and totally see the benefit of it. So everybody is a little bit different. Right. Um, right. I think you can, if you are having a positive experience and you want to share it, that's awesome. I also think sometimes you want to recognize the people that aren't safe to share with that will be shaming or maybe cause you to question yourself or derail the work that you're doing. And so you want to just be very discerning about who because it's really vulnerable to share that you're going to therapy or that you're working Mm -hmm. on things that are painful or your mental health. And so if somebody is not a safe space for that, if they're going to mock you or question you, then, you know, make that call. And you certainly aren't required to share with anyone if you don't want to, you want to do whatever, whatever is best for you. And we can even help you decide that in your therapy session. You know, sometimes I'll have work with clients who are working through issues with their parents. And they'll ask me, you know, well, should I tell my mom or dad about this? And I certainly don't know the answer to that question. I want to guide them to what, what it is for them, but that is a conversation we might have. Well, if you did, you know, share this information, what would be the purpose of that? What do you see as the potential benefit of doing that? Sometimes there isn't any reason to share it. Maybe it's just that they are processing their own stuff and that it And after we talk about it, it's like, yeah, you know, really sharing this information with this person doesn't really have any purpose. And so I'm not going to. Right. Or (laughs) going home to your parents after therapy and saying, it's all your fault. Right. I mean, you can share with them in that way too. And, (laughs) um, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, that, that's, that's really great. Yeah. Um, okay. And we're not looking to assign blame. There can be things that happen to us in our childhoods. Nobody had a childhood where they came out unscathed. So we've all got stuff. Your parents have all, all of our parents have messed us up in their own special way. Um, Mm -hmm. and that is all completely normal. So we're not looking to, to call people and and (laughs) I actually, I was in a class this weekend where we talked about if you had a traumatic birth, how that could, they made, Mm -hmm. there's some research that shows that people who have had traumatic birth experiences actually are more likely to develop anxiety later in their life. So I called my parents. I'm like, well, this is, it all started at birth. You just messed (laughs) me up right there. Right. Uh, Right. Um, but but more on that topic of, I you know, I had said my clients will ask me, well, should I bring this up to my parents or should I bring this up to my spouse? And I don't know the answer to that question. So that leads me to my next question is, is your therapist going to tell you how to solve your problems? Hmm. Yeah, well, I think that is a great question, right? If we think about like the older Snoopy cartoons, right? And everyone's going to see Lucy and paying her five cents for advice, right? <laughs> tell me yeah. what to do life right and you know if we could do that honestly would only be probably would only need to meet with you for a session right okay you're gonna do this and then you're gonna take this job and you're gonna marry this but we can't do that right so what you know therapy really is is we're here to guide you in making those decisions and conclusions for yourself so um you know if you get to that point we're here to um 
what we, we use what we call psychoeducation, right? We'll teach you certain things about, you know, attachment and, you know, how certain um, mental health disorders can um, uh, develop. And, you know, these are some effective tools that maybe some other people found really beneficial in the past, but, you know, we don't tell anyone um, how, what to do. We, you know, it's not really advice in the sense that I think people think about advice giving. Um, so, you know, we guide you through that, right? Because it's that insight process of, oh, yeah, you know, I never really did understand that was, you know, what was going on for me, you know, and then we work with that, right? So it's, it's, the, the client's the driver, right? We're just there kind of to help to give the directions. Yeah. And we can give you some feedback. I'm thinking about a mm-hmm. client I was working with who is going through a breakup and she was in continuous contact with her ex. And so, you know, some of the things we talked about is she's like, well, should I stop talking to him? You know? And so one of the things we talked about is, well, how do you think this continuous, uh, contact is impacting your benefit to to heal and move forward and what are the benefits of continually talking to that person and so we're talking you know we're we're looking at it we're and we're sorting we're helping them sort it out we're not telling them what to do but we are offering them different tools and different ways to take a look at the situation that they might not think of on their own right yeah, because in that situation, right, you you might know, Laura, what you think is best for her, right? Like, no, you shouldn't continue talking to that person. That might be your personal op- opinion, yeah. but we can't just say that, right? It is like, you know, okay, is this is this actually benefiting you, right? How do you feel after you contact this person? You know, all of that, yeah. and then, you know, getting to that um, answer on yeah. our own. Yeah, yeah. So what if I share something with my therapist that feels off limits, like that might offend them or scare them, or, or maybe they're going to just, you know, call up the psych ward and have me sent straight there. Then what? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I've ever been personally, you know, a client is worried about offending or scaring me. I mean, there's definitely, I guess, I mean, I don't want to get it to being offended or anything like that. I mean, there's all, yeah. Anyway, no, you're not going to offend us. You're not going to scare us. Right. Because we, we've, we've seen it all basically. Right. I mean, there's very rarely something, I guess, entirely new, right. That we see and we're just totally thrown off guard. Um, but I actually that have clients who are worried about offending me when they tell me certain things, maybe because I'm female and they're male and they think their perspective could offend me, or they're talking about something that is sexual in nature and maybe that's going to be too much. And yeah, I'm with you. The answer to that question is nothing is going to offend me. Say whatever you want. Right. Exactly. Um, unless if it is like a blatant, you know, you know, and this can happen sometimes, right. Where there is something that is intended to offend you, that's totally different, but no, in general, you're, you're not going to offend us, scare us. And you kind of added on to that question, Laura, like, are you going to send me to like a psychiatric, uh, mental hospital or something like that? And, you know, I think again, that comes up with our stigma we have around mental health that, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm quote unquote crazy. So I need to go to therapy. And then what if they, you know, send me away and that sort of thing. Um, and, um, that's just not, the case. Um, And so the only times I think people too, we'll get into this a little bit, but things like um, suicidal feelings, for example, people have a really hard time sharing that with their therapist because they think if I share this, right, then I'm just going to be sent away somewhere. And that actually is not the case. And, um, you know, with suicidal thoughts in general, right, um, you know, we, most people at some point in their lives have thought like, oh, 
things might be better if I wasn't around anymore, right? That doesn't mean you're going to do anything or plan anything or actually harm yourself. You know, those yeah, thoughts passive are... suicide ideation mm-hmm. where you don't have a plan, but you're like, oh, this is so hard. I just would rather not be here anymore. That yeah. is very, a very normal coping tool for people who are, you know, dealing with some sort of mental health issue that, but it's not that they would actually act on it. It's almost the the act of just thinking about the idea that there could be an out soothes mm-hmm. them in some sort of way. And that right. is normal. We are not calling anyone to turn you in. And in fact, right. it's really helpful to be able to talk about those thoughts and why, why you're having them um, so that you can work through whatever is going on. Yep, exactly, exactly. If you have a plan and you're actively suicidal, we do have a duty to report that for your own safety, as well as anyone who has a plan and is actively homicidal. But those are the only two times we would have to disclose anything that you have shared with us. Yeah. Yeah. If if you have a plan and then you have like a means to commit that plan. Right. So, I mean, if your plan is to, you know, jump off the moon, right. Obviously like you're not going to be able to execute that plan, but you know, (laughs) something like, you know, a common one, like, you know, I'm going to take some pills. Well, do you have those pills? Yes, I do. Right. Then that's when we have to get concerned and, you know, you know, suggest that you go somewhere and if you don't, then we might have to help you get there. Um, but um, anyway, yeah, so things like that, right? They're not, um, you're not gonna scare us. They're not off limits, right? And like you said, Laura, if people are feeling that way, if you're feeling like, oh, it'd be, you know, it's a, it's a nice thing to think about not being here anymore, right? Let, let's talk about the reasons why that is. Right, yeah, so really only if someone is in imminent danger is the only time mm-hmm. we would have to report anything. Just your internal dialogue and process and thoughts, that's what we're in therapy to talk about. So even if those seem dark or scary, that's exactly what you want to bring to therapy so we can help you work through those things. Right, exactly. Um, Okay, Laura, how about, um, what if therapy is starting to feel like more like I'm just chatting and catching up with an old friend versus maybe, you know, really feeling like um, change is being made? So that happens Uh, when you have gone to the same therapist for a while is that you do develop a close relationship with them. And so they almost could start to feel like a friend at points. But if you're getting to that place where you're just having random conversation about, you know, the shows you watched on TV last week, really your (laughs) therapist should be letting, letting you know that we've probably come to the end of the work that we're doing together for now. And therapy comes to natural stopping points all the time where Maybe you've done some really good work and you've gotten what you needed and you may go back at a later time, but at this point it's enough and you want to go out into the world and use the skills that you've learned and, and, and then it's, and it's time to end. And that's, you know, hopefully what you will choose to do at that point. You don't need to pay someone to go chit chat about what was on the Real Housewives. So if you've gotten to that place, then it's Those are my favorite clients. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Those are very easy conversations to have. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I mean. And that's just, it's time probably to take a break or that maybe it's time to try a different therapist because you've gotten everything that you need from that therapist particular style. And I would encourage people to work with different therapists that you're going to get different tools and uh, different perspectives from different people. And so, you know, there might come a point where maybe you really needed somebody who was a really gentle, empathetic listener to help you work through trauma or something where you just needed somebody that was really supportive and you and you got that and now you need somebody who's going to push you a little bit harder and maybe that's not that therapist style and so it would be good to try somebody else with a different style right right exactly but yeah you don't want to just you have friends for that you don't need to pay somebody to go in and just chit chat (laughs) 
there might be a little chit chat. We always start the session with a little chit chat. Of course. Not dive right in. Tell me the worst part of your week right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But if we're spending the majority of the session doing that, that's when, yeah, our time is probably, you know, coming to an end together. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what do you think, Michelle, about, uh, and I just touched on this a little bit, challenging or pushing clients? When is it time to push clients versus being that, like I said, that empathetic, supportive listener? You know, that's a good question. Um, So from a trauma perspective, you know, I tend to have a more um, like general, more general empathetic and and all therapists are empathetic Mm -hmm. approach more than I'm not like a direct like, okay, now I I need to go out and do the skill and, you know, I don't, I don't really especially with my trauma clients, right? I don't want to force anything, right, with anyone. Um, But also, I mean, there can be pushing in a gentle way, right? So like we were talking about um, your client earlier who it sounds like she was having some, you know, poor interactions with an ex when she was, you know, continuing to contact that person, right? And that could be, you know, I don't know this client, but, you know, for example, you know, that could be something that might be triggering that client's trauma, for instance, right? So she had trauma with him or some other past relationship, and now this is influencing that or whatever. If it's triggering the trauma, right, I would suggest or would point out maybe, you know, is this person actually, you know, is it a good thing while we're working on our trauma, you know, to be talking to this person, you know, is this person somehow influencing some of what's coming up in the past and keeping it really fresh with for you. So not, not pushing, but definitely, um, you know, suggesting things in that vein. So it's not disrupting the work that we're doing now, you know, not all clients I work with, um, are trauma clients, right? So when some clients are just coming in every single week to tell me the same story over and over again, or not making progress, right? At that point, then, you know, it, there has to be some pushing and some challenging, right? So that person's actually getting something out of their time with me. Yes, I think that's a very good point is sometimes people really want change, but the change is going to be to create that change in their life is going to be a lot of hard hard work. And so it might feel really scary to do that. And so they might want to come in and just tell you the same story that's probably the same story that they've been telling themselves and everyone in their lives for a long period of time and they're really stuck in that story and so we want to start to be able to challenge their story and and help them move beyond that because that is what they're coming in for um Mm -hmm. you know the client that i used as an example i did have to be direct to her and say you know i i i you have to choose what is going to be best for you But Mm -hmm. these are the reasons why I think continuing this contact is going to prevent you from moving forward and giving her, you know, laying it out for her so that she can maybe see some reasons why it would be okay to, to choose something different for herself to move forward. Right, right, exactly. But you want to be challenged a little bit, you, you know, and again, everyone has different styles. I've known therapists who are very challenging and very direct, and some people respond really well to that. Um, depending on what they're working on and where they are in their lives. Um, Some people who maybe are more fragile or unstable are not going to respond well to that. And that's actually going to be traumatizing to them. And so they need somebody who's a little more gentle with them. Yeah. And, you know, the challenging piece when we do challenge a client, it's not just out of the blue. Like, again, we're just randomly telling you something to do. It's based on what we're hearing, right? And what we think maybe would be in your best interest. And sometimes, you know, I know I've had moments before and I've had clients sit in front of me where I've said something and maybe they didn't 
quite like to hear it, but they're like, oh, dang. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I haven't thought about it that way, you know? And so, you know, those things can be helpful, um, but they're based on you. They're based on the work that we have done together. And sometimes that extra little nudge can be helpful. Cause again, we're not just there to sit and listen to you every week. Yes. Although we do that, but yeah, if you're only, yeah, well. <laughs> we're not, if we're just listening and not working on anything and we're talking about the same thing over and over again, you're not really mm-hmm. going to get very far. And there are certain things where it, you know, there, there are changes you do have to make to move forward. Like with an addiction, we can't necessarily just, if you have a serious addiction that, you know, like, well, you could just dabble. And, you know, we might say like, in order to make progress, you're going to have to stop this behavior altogether, or there's really no point in even working on it. Mm-hmm. Right. So Laura, how about this one? Um, does therapy work for everyone? Um, and are some people beyond help? I do not believe that anybody is, beyond help. I think that pretty much everyone could benefit. Everyone who is, you know, has enough um, cognitive skills to be able to participate in therapy. Obviously, if you're in a coma or something that then no, we can't help you at that point in time. But I think everyone can benefit from therapy. I don't think that there's anyone that would be a bad fit for therapy or that something has happened in their lives where, um, that they just are a lost cause. I think we all are at different places in our lives. And so we have to meet our clients where they are. Um, And sometimes that can be challenging for therapists is that you might want to see a result for them that they're not really ready to to go there yet. So Mm -hmm. that still doesn't mean that they're not receiving some sort of benefit. It's just might not be the, the benefit that their family members or even you as the therapist think that they should be getting. What Mm -hmm. do you think, Michelle? Yeah. Well, I think that's a great point, right? Because even us us as therapists, we can't always tell, right, if the client maybe is benefiting, right? They keep coming back, so they must be getting something out of it, right? But maybe it's not what we would hope for them to um, maybe achieve or achieve by that point, right? But, you know, there's some little nugget there, right, that they're getting out of our sessions and they keep coming back in that way. So that is working for that person, even maybe if they're not making this huge monumental change in their life, right? It's these little seeds that are only going to help them as they move forward, right? So um, yeah, I mean, therapy is not going to work. Uh, we touched on this earlier for people who don't want to be there, right? right. Um, therapy is just, it's it's a resource that's out there, right? Like there's all different resources that some resources work well for some people and some don't, right? Some people want to do yoga, some people want to, you know, do those like sensory depth, uh, the, like the, the tanks where you float mm-hmm. on your back, right. You know, anything that, you know, sounds good to you for your um, self-care and your um, wellness, right. You should do it. Um, it's just another resource out there. And yeah, some people, they like it. Some people, they don't. I think one thing that um, <clears throat> can trip people up about therapy is, well, I tried this one therapist once and it went terrible, so I'm never going to try it again, right? And so that that kind of like overall therapy, right, looks like that one experience I had with that one person. And, you know, as we've been talking throughout the show, right, all different therapists have different styles, presentations, right, different skills that they teach. So just because you had one negative interaction doesn't mean therapy isn't going to work for you. So I had a a client who went to therapy as a teenager because um, the parents forced them to go and they came to therapy as a part of a couple and the spouse wanted to come in and then the other spouse did not. Um, And they even said, they said, 
I don't really believe this is going to help us. I mean, I'm just coming because my spouse wants me to come and I agreed to do this because we have this problem that we need, we can't seem to resolve. But I went to therapy when I was a teenager and I honestly thought it was total, used a different word, but garbage essentially. <laughs> Thank you very what, much. What word did they use? <laughs> a word not appropriate for radio. Um, but I welcome that. I'm like, hey, you know, everyone has different experiences. And I, I, you know, I'm glad that you shared with me that you haven't had a positive experience in therapy. And as we work on things together, I would love to hear your feedback. If there's things that don't feel effective, then, you know, I'm always open to hearing your feedback. So I'm here to help you and we can move in a different direction. And what was a huge compliment that I felt so good about is when they left their session on Saturday, they were like, I'd like to schedule another session. We don't want to go a week without seeing you. And this is really helping us. And so, so they had a very different experience and that, you know, like what you said, just because you had a negative experience, maybe because, it wasn't the right time for you. You were a kid and you were forced to go. Um, doesn't mean that you can't get something from therapy if you choose to do it with a different person or a different time in your life. Yeah. I, in one of my, usually the first uh, session I have with clients, I'll ask about their prior therapy history and, you know, what worked well for them, right? What they would like to see continue in further therapy and what didn't work well and what, what would you like to avoid in our time together, right? And then that piece you were saying, like, hey, if something doesn't feel good at some point, let me know because we will not do that. Um, so, um, and I think that's a great segue. You're bringing up um, couples. Uh, uh, therapy, Laura. So our next set of questions here will be more um, directed about couples therapy. Um, so Laura, this is a broad question, but um, how, do, how do you help couples? Well, at Anchor Light Therapy, we are all trained in the Gottman method, which is a type of couples counseling. Um, it's a evidence-based type of counseling that is very well researched. The Gottmans, uh, John and Julie Gottman, are researchers at the University of Washington, and they have been studying marriage and relationships for over 40 years now, and they have a ton of research and data that they use to create this type of counseling intervention um, to help couples. So that's kind of the theory that we're associated with. But even to be more generalized with that, how do we help couples? I would say just even in the most like basic way, we just carve out 90 minutes a week or every two weeks or however often they come for them to really just sit down and focus on their relationship and give them time and space to talk about things that are difficult to talk about with a a uh, neutral, unbiased referee sometimes to help mm -hmm. keep the conversation on track. But I think that's the biggest benefit to couples therapy. And then of course, depending on the specific couple and their issues, you know, there's all kinds of different things we do, but sometimes it's hard for couples to talk about issues that are, are, you know, longstanding issues that they aren't able to resolve. So they sweep them under the rug and now it's creating big problems or things that are really vulnerable. Maybe there's issues um, in their sex life or, or past hurts that they just don't feel comfortable talking about, but that need to be addressed in their relationship. And therapy really gives them the opportunity to be able to do that. Great, yeah. So Laura, when you're working with couples, do you take sides? Do we take sides when working with couples? I think that's a great question. So no, we don't take sides. We might be aware that one of the partner's behavior is problematic and that might be the source of what is the cause of the the problem in the relationship um so an example of that i can give is 
And it's not about taking sides. It's about helping couples see what isn't working so that they, they can change that so that they can have better communication, um, improved intimacy and friendship and all the good things that you can have in a healthy relationship. Um, but I had a couple where one of the partners was asking the other couple, the other spouse basically to manage them. So they were saying, well, you need to tell me when I need to be on time and you need to tell me when this is important and you need to tell me when to unload the dishwasher, you know, and the other person was like, God, I'm not your parent. I don't Mm -hmm. want to take on this role. And the, Mm -hmm. and the thing about that was, and it wasn't about taking sides. It was just showing them that like, actually that's not going to work. And these are all the reasons why this is not going to work in your relationship and why it would be helpful for you to change that behavior and then maybe explore to why do you, why is that the support that you're asking for your partner from your partner? And what is there, maybe there's a healthier way to get that support that doesn't put your partner in the position of being your parent, which is always going to create a negative dynamic in a romantic relationship. Yeah. That's not going to work. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, absolutely. But it wasn't about taking sides. It was just about identifying like, Hey, here's, you're asking for something that isn't going to work out well for you. And let me help you find a solution to that and get your, have your need met in a way that will be healthy for both of them. Right. What about, what do you think, Michelle? Are you ever taking sides in couples therapy? No, I mean, just in the way that you're saying, Laura. So, um, you know, we, we treat, um, a couple as the combined couple is the client, right? So, um, while certain things, you know, from one couple might be affecting the relationship negatively in one way, the other side usually has something as well, right? So thinking about it, if you're a person, right, there's this thing that's working well for you and this thing that's not working well for you. So how do we integrate those things? So, you know, there's a healthier, um, individual in the same way that the couple as a unit is healthier, um, as well. So, um, you know, yeah, I think there can be a thought and the one thing that can kind of keep couples from coming into couples therapy sometimes is like, oh, well, she's just going to side with my wife anyway, or, you know, I'm getting into this. So hopefully finally, you know, the therapist can tell him I'm right. Right. But that's not what we we do. No, that's, and those often when those um, people come to therapy, looking for just the therapist to side with them to, to drill in their point, they're, they're going to be disappointed because that is, not what we're looking at. We are treating the couple, not the individual. And so we're mm-hmm. trying to help the couple learn how to uh, work together more effectively, not prove why one side is right and one side is wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So what are some reasons you see couples in counseling? Um, well, definitely COVID, um, but yes, that's part um, of all kinds of things. <laughs> I mean, overall, um, the reason why, you know, couples that I see come in are, you know, communication breakdowns that lead to conflict and then perpetual conflict, right? And that, um, you know, what we call gridlocked issues around things that we always fight about this kind of. So like, you know, there can be things that are always kind of back there, right? Maybe there was this when we were when we were dating, like, you know, he cheated on me this one time and that can still be in the air and that can still fuel um, further conflicts, even if it's not about that, right? Because that one was never truly resolved and healed. Um, so, um, you know, pa- past hurts that have happened in the relationship, you know, anything around trust, um, you know, commitment and insecurities, right? Things like that, that can really, if they're not resolved, they will have a lasting effect on the relationship and on future conflicts. So, you know, if we're, we're fighting about, you know, the, um, you know, socks all over the bedroom floor, right? Are we really fighting about that? Like, what 
that's really fueling all of that passion into the socks, right? There's probably much more going on there. Um, so, um, you know, yes, getting to the, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say, it's never really about the socks. So, <laughs> no. I mean, uh, that one time it was, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever's and that's going caused on. a lot of future hurt. And so, yeah, no, um, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, it's always interesting that the thing, <laughs> the problem that's brought in, it's usually never about that problem. So there's right. so much you can learn in couples mm -hmm. therapy that you might mm -hmm. not even be aware of. Well, Michelle, right. I can't believe this, but we are already out of time again. We might oh have to gosh. do another one of these shows because we can't seem to get through all our questions. <laughs> okay. Also, well, that's great. if you have any questions that you would like us to address on the show, you can email us at holdingground at anchorlighttherapy.com. And we would love to answer your specific questions on the air. Yes, please send them in. We'll do that. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in. We will see you again here on KKNW next Monday. Thanks for tuning in to Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. We'll see you next week.